often when I'm really grieving the loss of his life, I go to this book and I read the poems or I listen to, to their performances. And they said, let your heart break so your spirit doesn't. I often think about that on days where I'm really low or I, it's really hard to get motivated to do anything. Um, I think about like, it's okay. It's okay that, you know, I feel like my heart's broken. It's okay to let it break. But I'm going to come back, you know, and be, still be me. I'm going to be strong. Um, and, and my spirit is still intact. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead, and we are officially into episode two of season eight. And I'm so, so excited for y'all to hear from our guest today. This has been, it sounds funny to say a guest in the making, but as y'all know, I myself am in a variety of circles and communities, whether it's through my work or groups that I run or volunteer organizations that I'm a part of or my friends or Josh's work or this other thing. And as I go further into those groups and get to know people better, I, of course, may mention at some point in time, oh, like I have a podcast. Oh, have you listened to it? Oh, that's so fun. Or maybe they'll bring it up to me. And then, of course, the time always comes of like, do you want to be on the podcast? And so when I say this is someone that's been a guest in the making, you know, I think we probably knew they would eventually be on anyway, but people take their time on wanting to come on the show. And I'm just so excited for you all to get to hear from Sarah because Sarah has become a very close friend. She's also a fellow Griefy and DPC member. So welcome, Sarah Smith. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And no relation to my Joshua Smith. <laughs> just maybe somewhere I mean, historically down the line. Far down the line. Correct. Perhaps. So maybe we'll be like semi-related by marriage via 10,000 years ago. Yep. It's very chaotic. Um, so as I just mentioned you all to you all, Sarah is in our Dead Parents Club and she has also become a very close friend of mine just due to our common interest in the metaphysical world and crystals and mediums. And this sounds so... Uh, lack of better words, you're like ghost stories and like really <laughs> cool stuff. So I'm very, very excited for us to talk about all those things today. But let me share a little bit about Sarah with you all. So Sarah is the assistant director of civic engagement at the UNC Chapel Hill Campus Y. The Campus Y is the hub for social justice at UNC and serves 2000 undergraduate and graduate students who are passionate about making positive social change in their communities. She also graduated from UNC in 2010 with a BA in anthropology, minors in social and economic justice and Asian studies, and has a master's in philosophy in international peace studies from Trinity College in Dublin. So cool. Um, and Sarah has also helped many individuals over the last seven years through the director of the Global Gap Year Fellowship, supporting students to defer their first year at UNC to take a service-based gap year abroad, which is super cool. I totally wish I'd done something like that. Friggin' love it. Sarah is very passionate about a variety of topics, including LGBTQ rights, ethical service, and rights for older adults. She's also become extremely passionate about discussing grief and its transformation. I can't talk today, y'all. And it's tr transformative powers and finding ways to make death and dying less taboo, uh, which I love so, so much. A little fun fact about Sarah is that she has won two blue ribbons at the NC State Fair. Tell us more. I sure have. Uh, yeah, honestly, probably my uh, proudest moment. Uh, I have two blue ribbons uh, in scrapbooking. Oh, my God. Actually. Scrapbooking. <laughs> of all things, scrapbooking. I feel like I remember you telling me that because I was like, I tried scrapbooking, I think, when I was like, 12 and it was utter trash 
I like bought those little like cut stamps, right? Mm-hmm, that you like cut mm-hmm. the corners up with like little designs. Awful. Yeah. Garbage. Uh, actually, my first one um, is tied to to this very uh, topic in the the podcast today is um, was for my dad. Right after he passed, uh, I I made a uh, scrapbook page kind of to honor him and his memory, uh, in particular um, honoring his service. Uh, he was in the uh, Air Force, oh, I um, love so that. I did a, a page. I didn't know your dad was in the Air Force when? Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, was he Vietnam War? Pre Vietnam. So my dad was a bit older. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was pre Vietnam. Okay. Um. So late sixties, early seventies. Okay. That timeline makes sense. Well, that's why I wonder if my dad and he would have cross any paths because my dad was in the air force oh, as yeah. well mm-hmm. was he stationed abroad at all germany same oh <gasps> stop same. it oh my god that's so weird yeah yeah we'll have to connect we'll okay, have to talk we more will. about that yeah because my dad was born in 47 so he would have been the same my dad was 41 okay so your yeah. dad's still a little bit older so it's very possible they didn't have service yeah, at the same service, time but... he, yeah did like 18 to 22 i can't same kind of my dad normal... was four years and then went to college yeah went yep. to college after that my dad was so y'all they they flew so much as children. My dad lived in Africa for a period of time because his dad worked for the government. And so they would fly like back and forth transcontinental. And he was so felt like his luck had run out after <laughs> working in the Air Force and flying so much that we never flew as a family. Oh, wow. We road tripped everywhere, like 33 miles to Florida from Illinois road tripping. Like, oh, there wow. was no planes. Yeah. <laughs> so like people who are like, like oh, like boomers. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, my dad was highly superstitious. Like, very, like, no, 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 no. Like, we will no longer get on a plane. <laughs> I don't trust it. So I didn't get on a plane until I went with, like, a friend's family in elementary school. And then I flew by myself after that because my dad would never get on a plane. Oh, wow. I know. So funny. Anyway, it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So Sarah and I, as you all have heard a couple me mention a couple of times now, have met through DPC. So you and I met almost two. How many years has it been? It's been, let's see, it would have been fall 21 so almost two years almost two years because we're like spring of 23 okay so like a year and a half yeah and we met through a mutual friend as well as a previous guest on this podcast from last season y'all amanda stanforth jones was did i mix that jones stanforth jones thank you amanda for reminding me how to say your name um from afar amanda jones stanforth thank you friend of the pod yes she has been on before and sarah is good friends with her and i think we'll hear a little bit more about that today as well and so when i had reached out to amanda about you know and y'all know that man and i were connected from school and from work as well about coming to dpc she was like oh by the way (laughs) i have this friend who also should probably be in this club as well can i bring her Yes, that is exactly what happened. Yeah, I was joking with Susan that I knew about DPC before I qualified for membership in DPC. Yeah. Funny enough. <laughs> I um, think that's good. That's how it yeah, should be. Yeah. You should know it exists. Yeah. Um, and I was so, you know, weirdly excited about the group for Amanda because I felt like it was something that I couldn't support her with. Um, and as as one of my best friends, I was really worried about kind of her healing journey. Um, and we can get into more of the nuance of the, the timing of everything. Um, but actually, I uh, ended up joining the club just a little bit before she did. <laughs> it's it's just wild how the universe works that way, yeah. right? You just said, I didn't think I was going to be someone who could support my friend through this thing. Oh, lo and behold, the universe was like, bitch, you just wait. Yep. Here you go. Here, here, here it is. Here you go. Here it is. You're going to support each other. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so we can even work backwards. We can go forwards because a story, y'all, that sticks out for me so much. So with running the Dead Parents Club, we have been able to have some guest speakers and some services provided to our group. And one of those has been a sound bath. Mm. 
And if you all have not done a sound bath, they are absolutely wonderful. Shout out to Ellie Atkins that does our sound baths. They are amazing. I will go ahead and link her information in the episode notes. And we got to do one at our house. And the last time that we were all here to do that, Sarah had shared this incredible story, which I don't think you had planned to share today, but I feel compelled to do so, um, about how she had spoken with a medium in Atlanta. And this medium had shared with her that a family member of hers was coming to her through green tree frogs. Or just like green frogs, Frogs. specifically. Uh Yeah, not a tree frog per se. And y'all, it was the wildest thing. Again, like the universe and the way that it works. We were leaving and we're all like packing up and everyone left the house. And then LA and I were walking out, helping her pack the sound bath items into her car. And we turn and look on the door frame and there's a green frog just like on the door frame. And I just like lost my ever loving mind of being like, nope, (laughs) this is confirmation. Like this is insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have absolutely loved getting to share that experience with you because Mm -hmm. I am such a believer in those things. I'm a believer that our loved ones who are no longer here physically on earth find other ways to communicate with us. And I think everyone is, not everyone, I would like to say most people I surround myself with are healthy skeptics, right, about these types of things. And I think you have always been a healthy skeptic until you went in and you were like, and now I'm a believer. (laughs) To a decent extent, yeah. Um, I think for me, I was I was looking for. Um, I mean, previously, prior to to my experiences with grief, um, was pretty skeptical about you know hearing from loved ones or connecting with loved ones um, after after they pass. And um, this experience in particular was something that I needed um, at that time. Um, and I can go into more of the nuance of, of that situation, but yeah, the the timing of it, I spoke with the the medium or you know the energy healer or however you want to spirit guide, however you want to define um, this person. Honestly, the weekend before uh, the sound bath, it was like on a Friday and we had the sound bath on a Tuesday. And I just briefly shared with the group. Um, I think LA had prompted us maybe mm, about like, mm-hmm. are there signs we were coming up from the holidays? Yes. Um, you know, are there things that you look for, um, particularly around holidays or, or moments where you you really remember the loss and you're really feeling the loss. And, you know, we all shared some of the more, um, you know, well-known ones looking for cardinals are pretty popular, mm-hmm. butterflies, dragonflies, um, dragon et cetera. Grasshoppers. All those wonderful, wonderful creatures. And um, I just kind of briefly shared, I was like, hey, y'all, uh, I had this interesting experience last Friday. Don't want to take up too much time by going into it, but I'm looking for frogs. You know, I'm out here looking for frogs and just kind of left it at that. And um I'll be honest, during that sound bath experience, it was our second sound bath. The mm-hmm. first one, I think, was a little closer to Father's Day. Yep. And I was really in my feelings about my dad and, um, you know, really just kind of focusing on him and just just kind of going with that. And then this one was much more open and um, at one point was very overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. Uh, I'm just kind of reflecting on the people who are no longer in my life, um, you know, not even just recent, just over the course of my life, mm-hmm. and um, just really had the sense of of gratitude that they were in my life for however long they were. And uh, I think I shared that at the very end. And then we packed up and went home. And when I get this text uh, and this picture, which is now the background of my phone, <gasps> um, because some days I just need need that reminder yes. um, that I'm not alone and that um, there there are loved ones who have crossed who are still with me, um, yeah. whether they're communicating with me openly or I am remembering lessons they've taught me. Um, but yeah, that one in particular is very special. I know I didn't tell you that I, um, was, I just pointed out to Sarah on the way over to the studio that I have this little fairy garden set up in my backyard and I have some creeping Jenny coming out of a pot Mm -hmm. and I was cleaning the leaves from the bush above it out of that pot. And I touched a green frog (gasps) 
he was like living in the Aww. pot. And I was like, oh, so sorry to mean to disturb you. Go, go back to your home. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, and then Jasmine likes to seek them out. She won't eat them, thankfully, because they don't run from her. Oh, okay. The lizards run from her, so then she eats them. That's more fun. But the frogs just kind of stay. Um, so she'll seek them out for me sometimes. And then I'll always think about, you know, I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. There, it is. there she is. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So share with us a little bit. I mean, you're welcome to speak to how you know Amanda. You're welcome to just speak to how you dove right into that, like whatever makes yeah. you the most comfortable. But sure. I know the last couple years, y'all, based on my experiences with Sarah and getting to know her has just been extremely, it's a 180 roller coaster of grief and yeah. trauma. Yeah. Uh, sure. I will. I'll just dive into it and, and kind of um, share with you all a little bit about my grief journey. Uh, in particular, highlighting the last year and a half yeah. um, of, of my life. Obviously, you know, we were all uh, going through a lot from 2020 on for obvious reasons, like right. a pandemic, um, you know, the grief and, and loss of kind of the life we were living and, and um, what we the hopes we had for our futures and, and you know, folks in our communities passing. Um, so that was all, you know, kind of the baseline <laughs> for me. Right. And then um, fall of 2021, all, my life just basically um, completely, completely changed. Um, as Susan mentioned, uh, kind of a roller coaster of grief and loss and um, just a lot of changes that were out of my control. Uh, and so I have definitely had a a transformational experience um, is how I'm going to put it. Um, but some very challenging days. So it started for me August 2021. Um, early August, I unfortunately, my partner, long term partner of six ish years, and I split quite abruptly and mm -hmm. unexpectedly. Um, and so I was dealing with that and trying to process what my life was going to look like moving forward and um, went home and home for me is the same home that Amanda has, which is Williamston, North Carolina. Shout out to small town, small USA. town, rural North Carolina. Um, so my parents at the time, my mom and dad were living in eastern North Carolina in Williamston, and I was going home pretty regularly. Uh, both of my parents were older, immunocompromised. So I was going uh, back to Williamston at least every other weekend, if not more regularly to try to keep them out of the grocery stores and pharmacies and and trying to um, do what I could for them. And so after my partner and I split, I um, actually got a really sweet phone call from my dad, uh, where he asked me to come home that weekend. Um, I actually wasn't planning on going home that weekend. That wasn't the weekend I, I you know, was was kind of scheduled to go. But I decided to just because I needed to get out of the space and um, just have some time with with my family. So my um, puppy at the time, Jake. Um, and I packed up and we went home and my dad was so sweet. He called me. He, he said, I know you like Chinese food. Remind me your favorite Chinese food, sesame chicken, right? And I said, yeah, it is. And he got that for dinner. And, you know, I just remember the biggest hug when I got there, mm -hmm. um, the warmest embrace and, and the kindest words of um, hope and of um, it's going to be okay. Um, you're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to support you kind of thing. So that was incredibly kind and honestly, um, a really wonderful memory mm -hmm. that I have now. Um, so I arrived on a Friday. Um, during this time um, was the the same time that Amanda's mom was um, in hospice. And um, in Eastern North Carolina, we uh, don't have as many um obviously resources and access to hospice. So this was an at-home hospice situation. Um, and so this um, 
so uh, her mother was at home at the time and and for a variety of challenges, it was hard to kind of keep overnight staff. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, whenever I was in town, um, stay with her um, family and try to support however I could um, the care of, of her mother, who was also very special to me. Um, so as I was saying, I um, would would stay over with Amanda and her dad and, and try to um, do what I could to support them and the care of Which her mother. Which is just like insane to, pa- again, speaking to the lack of resources that are in existence for the elderly or the unwell or people mm-hmm. who are on the process of death and dying. Yep. We truly in this country do not have the supports Absolutely and resources. Not. The fact that somebody's best friend is having to help take care of their parent is just insane to me. Yeah. And to be fair, they, you know, never put me on the spot or, you know, I can imagine. But yeah, I, I just have so much love for Amanda and her family. Um, they were, they kind of took me under their wing when I moved to yeah. Williamson for high school. Uh, her mom um, was always so kind and drove us to tennis practice, band practice, any extracurricular we wanted to do. Um, so she was a very special woman in my life as well. Um, so, you know, that weekend I go home, I'm spending time with my family um, and then kind of going over to Amanda's house and spending time with her family and, um, you know, trying to, to be there and a support to her uh, as, as much as I can um, at this time. And I, it might have been that weekend or a weekend before that she had mentioned to me her connection to you. And of course, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I had been reflecting on like, how am I going to support Amanda? She um, is going through this thing that I have not. And, um, you know, I just want her to to have the love and support that she needs. Um, so I stayed Friday night, Saturday, spent the day with my my parents um, and then. Saturday night, had dinner with my parents again before heading over to Amanda's for for the evening. And I remember I went over and um, I like to say tucked my dad in, so to speak. He, um, my parents lived in apartments next door to each other. Uh, I love that. Honestly, it's kind of a pretty, pretty good setup. I can't live with you. But I also but, don't want to live without you. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm near you. They were next door to each other. Um, this was a transition. We were we were trying to sell our family home at the time, and um, knowing that we were going to be looking for a more accessible option for my parents um, moving forward, maybe an assisted living facility, something of that nature. Um, but we just weren't there yet. So we're this is very much a transition period for us. And so um, my dad went over to my dad's apartment um, and he loved animals, love, love, loved animals. So he was very excited. I brought Jake with me mm-hmm. and he was like, leave Jake with me. We're good. We're going to walk. We'll go to bed. Yep. You know, you go hang out with Amanda. You go hang out with Amanda. Be the, you know, he was so yep. concerned. He also really cared a lot about um, uh, Amanda's mom. They had done a lot of volunteering together um, after he retired. And so, again, small town. Right. Everyone, everyone knows, knows each everyone. Other. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So he encouraged me and was like, please go let them know if they need anything to please let me know. Yep. Um, I can bring them food, go get groceries, whatever they need. So I um, kind of tucked him in and I remember him saying, um, you know, I'm really proud of you, which was, you know, really sweet. I know he was trying to say nice things to me because he knew I was hurting. And he also, you know, he kind of just said this thing that he used to always say to me, which was, I love you, little girl. Um, and again, you know, he's 80. I'm 33 at the time. But like, that's just something he he had always said to me. And so I went to Amanda's, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, had the evening. Next morning, I wake up and I had a call from my mom. And she said, you know, I haven't seen your dad yet this morning. And I was like, uh oh, that's 
you know, he's usually up early. Old people, it's always a thing. You're yeah. like, the older you get, and if you don't do your routine, something's weird. Oh, something's off. Yep. Something's off. And he would usually bring her coffee in the morning. <laughs> and this was like 10 or 11. So it was, you know, hour or two after he would normally have, have been over there. I said, okay, you know, let me go. Let me go check. So I ride over, you know, two minute, three minute drive because small town. And I went and checked and um, he was asleep. Um, but I could not wake him up. And I tried and tried and tried. And I could tell that Jake had not been out. So I knew dad had not gotten up that morning. And so I um, immediately took Jake over to my mom's and I called the rescue squad. Um, and, you know, we later found out he had had a stroke. Um, and he, his health was such that like, it was pretty fragile and that, you know, he may have appeared to be okay, but like there were just so many little things that once he had the stroke, he then had a heart attack and things just kind of escalated from there. dominoes. Yeah. Yeah. Once you knocked one over, they all, they all kind of came, came falling down. And so we spent um, some time in our local hospital. He was transferred to our regional hospital that is much more equipped for intensive care. Right. Um, My sister came up from Atlanta um, and he was alive for about three days um, and my sister and I had to make some pretty tough decisions during that time. My mom, I'll share a little bit about her. Um, she is, at least for the past five or six years, has been in a wheelchair. Um, she has really bad arthritis, diabetes, a few other um, medical issues, and also was experiencing some cognitive challenges during this time. So my sister and I were the two um, who were there kind of making the decisions in the hospital. Also during COVID. Let's just tack that so right on top. Throw it on top. Yeah, it's um, 2021. So 2021, we're not in the clear yet. We're not in the anything. clear yet. There yeah. had been a little bit of a resurgence. Um, and so we were also in the hospital with, you could have one person in at a time. So my sister and I were having to trade off. And so one of us would be with our mother caring for her. And then the other one would be in the hospital. And then we'd have to trade off. This is about a 45 minute drive um, because we're at the regional hospital. Um, but we pretty quickly knew the writing was on the wall mm-hmm. um, and had to had to make that tough decision. Um, we were able to get our mother there and, um, you know, kind of be with him as we kind of transitioned him to just comfort care. Um, he the eternal fighter that he he is. Uh, I mean, that in a good way, as far as like kind of stubborn, um, you know, he ended up living for like 16-ish hours um, after uh, we had transitioned him to comfort care. They were like, it could be minutes, it could be hours, we don't know. And yeah, so he passed away exactly one week after my partner and I split. So I, as you can imagine, was just devastated beyond belief um well this guy was he was like your rock right he's your support system and he's over there trying to build you up and bolster you and be like you're gonna do fine we're gonna get through it i'm so proud of you it's gonna be great and And then gone and then he was gone and i just was so i mean i think for a lot of it i was in shock um what what, what else can you be what else can you be and then i would get that question how are you um and i i probably said some words I shouldn't a have. Fucking disaster. But I was Joe. a mess. Okay. Uh, a full on mess. Um and just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Right. And just trying to survive. Um so that was all happening. Um oddly enough, having Amanda in town supporting her mother, <laughs> you know, I was able to meant to be. <laughs> it was so weird. But, you know, the night my dad had to go to the hospital and he was going to be life lighted to Greenville, you know, I'm she comes over with a pillow and a blanket 
and meets me in the the um, parking lot of the hospital. She's like, I'm ready to stay the night. That's and, you wrong. know, it's just like things like that and knowing what she, the, the gravity of the situation she's in. Right. Um, and I'll never forget that. So um, I mean, it was something for her to do. Honestly, she, like you and I, are both Enneagram twos. We're caregivers. Yes. And I think often the hardest place to be is not knowing how to support. Right. And not knowing how to care for our loved ones. Well, feeling out of control with wanting yeah. to help, right? So like you said, like she's been actively watching the deterioration of her own parent. And, you know, we're not here to speak for her and add on to her story. But then all of a sudden you're going through something mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I can do something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so action oriented brought me that, that the blanket and the pillow and um, what food do you need? I'm going to Venmo you some money to go order some food, DoorDash something. Take care of yourself. Are you eating? Are you mm-hmm. breathing? I mean, there were times. <laughs> water. Uh, water, hydrate, you know, all those important things. Um, so yeah, so my dad passed. It would have been August 18th, 2021. During this time, um, we were obviously having to connect with family, friends to kind of let them know what was going on. We had connected with some of my dad's uh, Air Force friends, some of his best friends from his his youth um, that he was still connected with. And um, that actually is what inspired that scrapbook page was hearing the stories that I hadn't heard of his time in the service. Um, funny stories, road tripping stories, um, you know, just really funny anecdotes that I'd never heard I that. Um, that I was able to include in that. So, um, but we're, we were also... I'm going to try to get a picture of that and we can put it on. Okay. Our, okay. I'll, I'll send it to you. photo for the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we were calling family. We reached out to someone who we've become very close with um, in the last five or six years, our first cousin, actually, um, because my dad was a bit older and he, he was older when he um, had my sister and I, and he was also the youngest in his family. Wow. All of my family, you know, I didn't know a whole lot of my family because they had passed. Right. And then those who were still around were a lot older than me. Right. So my cousin was in her sixties, but just um, the best kindred spirit, um, was uh, really into ghost hunting. Yes. Oh my God. I love <laughs> hearing about her. And so she has she, all the stuff, right? She has all the stuff. <gasps> and so okay, we um, still have to do this. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Okay. We have to. Okay, yes. Um, but so, uh, when we'd reached out to my cousin to let her know what was going on, we found out that she was very sick herself. Um, and we had been concerned about her for a while. Uh, but with the pandemic, it was hard to, you know, she wasn't going to appointments. Um, I mean, a lot of us weren't, unless it was an emergency, we weren't right. going to the doctor. And um, turns out she had stage four terminal lung cancer. Oh, my God. And so at this point, she was in the hospital. Um, thankfully, it was 30 minutes from uh, Williamston. So I was able to go spend some time with her. But it was clear the writing was on the wall, kind of what was going on there. Um, and so she passed three weeks after my dad. Um, the, the threes, man. Yeah. She passed three weeks after my dad. And so my sister and I were just kind of like, you know, trying to support her partner um, who was very like, you know, obviously upset and grieving and trying to figure out like we're literally in the process of doing all the stuff with my dad's like death certificate and estate. And so we're trying to give her advice on what to do. How can we support you while we're also just barely hanging on? Um, But yeah, so my cousin passed. And then that same week, Amanda's mom um, passed as well. Three deaths. So it was three, three weeks. and three weeks um, between mid-August and early September. Uh, I think Amanda's mom passed on, on September 11th. And um, yeah, and I had gone from... Ew, three times three is nine. 
uh-huh. in September is the ninth month. Oh, oh. oh so many things. Oh. So many things. Um, I will say there was kind of an interesting moment. Speaking of like kind of the metaphysical and, and yeah, signs. Um, when my dad was in the hospital those three days. Um, while oh my we god, were, he was in the hospital for three days. He was. <gasps> he was. Stop. Um, we, you know, I was trying to figure out what do I talk to him about. So he was on life support. He had a ventilator and he was not awake. Right. Um, but everyone had told me the last thing to go is the, they can still hear you. Mm-hmm. So I had written him a letter the night. We actually honestly didn't think he'd make it through the night, which was the first night. And I was able to read it to him, you know, just saying all the things I'd wanted to say. Um, thank you for loving me and, and being with me and supporting me. Um, and then I was trying to find other ways to connect with him. And music was something that that came up. And so uh, he and I both shared a love of Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back on that, like from a very early age, I like was obsessed with Elvis. <laughs> and I, I look back at it and I'm like, you know what? This was me trying to connect with my dad. He's from a completely different generation. Um you know, how how am I going to connect with him? And and we shared this love of music and particularly music from that time period. So while he was in the hospital, I would just play him music, um, music from, you know, the 50s and 60s, um, but particularly Elvis. And um, one, one of my favorite songs is I Can't Help Falling in Love. Um, I, I had I think there was a, a version of my life where I'd seen myself like walking down the aisle to that song and him walking me. Um, and so I played that song for him and the day that Amanda's mom passed, we had been listening to music that morning and she and I at one point looked at each other, we're like, we can't listen to this music anymore. And she changed it to an oldie station. And, um, so after her mom passed and we were kind of in a moment of like reflection and comforting each other, um, I can't help falling in love by Elvis came on. And I looked at her and I said, dad, dad's got her. Mm. Like he's there to meet her. God, the, I love that so much. On the other side. That's and so, so wild. Talk it, about like a message right from yeah. beyond. You're like, I don't even care if that was like a chance, whatever chances and whatever yeah. that was like, that was him telling yeah. me something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I felt like that was him communicating with me. I'm with her. Mm. I love that. I'm welcoming, I'm welcoming her in. Um, so yeah, so that happened, and I wish that was the end of the story. No, um, never, but never unfortunately, it's not. Um, during that fall, I was splitting my time between Chapel Hill, where I'm working, and um, going back to Williamson to caregive for my mother. We're trying to figure out what our next steps with her are. And um, I can remember all of this because at this point, this you, point I'm you in DPC. DPC. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm in DPC. So I think Dad passed in August, and I'm coming to sessions or to group by October. Yeah, like September, October. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, which hindsight, that's pretty quick uh, to turn around and find a group. But honestly. I needed it more than I realized. Um, and so I'm really grateful that that group existed and that I was, I was welcomed in. Uh, so yeah, Amanda and I went together um, and, and her partner um, as well. Uh, so during this time I'm splitting my weeks, Chapel Hill for work. And then um, my boss, who's incredible um, shout out to Yelita um, who was able to let me work remotely on a Friday so I could go home and say the weekend caregiver mom and then come back and we were able to hire some awesome awesome caregivers um to to kind of help us a band-aid solution honestly for that situation until we could figure out next steps right um we didn't we knew we were going to need to probably move her but we the rug had already been pulled out from underneath her so we were trying to do it gradually um it ended up kind of serendipitously working that she 
ended up in the hospital, um, nothing life threatening, but um, had had an infection. And we were able to transition her from the hospital to a rehab facility in Chapel Hill. And then she so moved her to Chapel Hill. And then I was frantically visiting assisted living facilities at this time, realizing that um, my life was not set up in a way that I could caregive for her. Um, and work full time and, and work have full a life time and, like and, and have all the things that I needed to, right. to be a human. Um, and so uh, we found a wonderful community in Chapel Hill. Um, Amanda actually helped me tour the facilities because <laughs> it was something I was it felt very daunting. God, I remember such doing that for my dad too. And it's big decision. Yeah. And you're like, what? And they're trying to sell you on things. And you yeah. feel like you're like, this is my mother's life. Yeah. And they're like, and then, you know, they're like giving you swag bags. And you're like, okay, this feels like a little. And you're walking around, <laughs> you're like looking at all the residents there. And you're like, can I envision my parent being are you here? Happy here? Right. Like, I'm yeah. trying to read their you're face. Like, and like, blink twice. Like, are you, are you good? Like, is this a place you would recommend for a loved one? Right. I am grateful that we found it. Um, and it's a location that's very close to my house. So it's, you know, between work and my Love house, it's 10 minutes. Um, and so we were able to move her by Christmas, the week of Christmas. She moved into the assisted living facility in Chapel Hill and has been there ever since. Um, so she's coming up on a year and a half in this in this location. Um, the staff has been incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, they've listened to our story. They've cried with us. They've laughed with us. Um you know, no place is perfect, but I, I will say finding these people who, who have a a gift um, to be able to connect with folks at this age and in and, and this state stage of their life is, is really beautiful. And yeah. um, but I also recognize that there's a lot missing and we can talk more about that as far as supports from our society and our culture around the elderly mm-hmm. um, and folks who are at this stage of life. Um, so. We transitioned my mom up to to Chapel Hill, and um, around this time, we were having her basically assessed for all these different things. Um, again, another challenge of being in a rural environment was having consistent quality medical care. Right. Um, her doctors were changing over all the time, so nobody was getting a clear baseline for her. We were concerned about cognitive changes. There was, you know, it's medicine, it's all of these different things. Um, we did finally get a dementia diagnosis once um, she moved up uh, to to Chapel Hill and was able to be seen by a team of gerontologists, which is so cool. As oh like my a gosh. field yeah. of study, so cool! Everyone, please study that. Um, we just need more. Study being old, <laughs> we need more <laughs> people who so are much. you know passionate about working with this this uh, demographic and um, are passionate about yeah supporting people in this this stage of life. Um, so I got that phone call. It was a bit of a gut punch. Uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving, but I also wasn't surprised. No. Um, we had seen the signs. There was a part of me that was relieved yeah, to, to have a diagnosis that, we, you're not that was crazy. tangible. Yeah. yeah. We weren't making this up. She wasn't making this up. Like this was a real thing that was happening. And right. so um, we had that diagnosis. So that was another kind of factor in like looking for assisted living. Do they have, um, is their staff trained in dementia and Alzheimer's care? Do they have a memory care unit if we need to get to that point? Right. Um, all that good stuff. So moved her in December, um, January. It started again <laughs> as far as, as the, the string of losses. Um the first one was actually uh, a high school mentor of mine um, and Amanda's um, and a, a dear member of our, our community who unfortunately passed from COVID. Um, and so that one was 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 tough. And 
about two weeks after that, maybe a little less than two weeks after that, a um, student of mine died by suicide. Uh, and the student was someone who was very, I was very close with. Um, I'm going to argue I'm still close with. Um, you absolutely can be. Your relationship <laughs> just changes. It just changes. It evolves. Mm -hmm. um, I had seen him the week before. We had exchanged our Christmas presents. And he had given me the coolest socks that have um, the Carolina blue. Because, uh, you know, he went to Carolina. And they had my dog's face on them. I've seen some of They're those. They're so cute. Um, so my socks with Jake's face on them. Um, Owen was my go-to caregiver for my animals. Um, had a key to my house. Um, you know, I just somebody I cared very deeply for. Um, you know, who had been through a number of challenges in his own life um, and had been battling a lot of, of mental health challenges for a while. Um, but I thought we were in a good place. And so it was quite a shock um, when I got that that call. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, as you mentioned, you know, I was I was working with a global gap year fellowship and he had been a fellow. And so I'm now having to tell a community of students who I love deeply that someone a member, a beloved member of their community has passed. And um, yeah, that was just a, a gut punch. Um, You've had no time to recover. Oh, like no, I just want to still... highlight this timeline of it's <laughs> August. As you mentioned, you know, your family is not in 100% amazing health, but there is no imminent risk as far as you're aware Correct. that like someone's going to keel over and die for Correct. lack of <laughs> not wearing kick gloves on this conversation. And so you go home because you have a loss of a breakup with a relationship that is grief right you yes. just lost a life partner who you probably envisioned a future with and beyond correct so that ends you go home to visit your support system and then go to support a friend boom that's gone within yep. three days you're like oh and now my whole life has changed again yeah okay and then you give it three weeks someone else dies and then you give it another week and someone else dies. Correct. And so it's like you're you're just, it's like those memes where it's like help me I'm drowning and it's like here's your 3 days of bereavement. No, but I'm drowning. Drowning. Literally. You find some you find some stability. You kind of tread water. Yeah. You've got some supports in place. You go through the holidays. Now you're having to move your mom. Yeah. So more change. Yeah. Right? Completely out of your hometown. No more. Come to Chapel Hill. Everyone's out here now. This is where you live. This is how that are this is our new normal. Yes. Okay, catch your breath. New year. Bam, bam. Two. Right. Before MLK weekend. That's like six. It's literally six months. Yeah. It's a six month. Can I do math? Eight to one. That's I mean, five months. Five months. Not even like, six. I can't even do math. That's wild. Yeah. It was, it, it felt pretty relentless. And I was having a lot of questions about like what I had done to cause this to happen. Of course. Uh, that, did I deserve that this? guilt? Like right? there's a level of guilt in, involved with it. Um, should I have seen this coming? Um, all, all Don't of those ask different the universe feels. questions. Like, how am I going to help my friend through the death of their parent? Because uh -huh. the universe goes say, well, uh, you know how? Here you go. Here you go. You're going to experience it simultaneously. Um, yeah. So that was January. Um, I will say I found a lot of strength in my community. Um, and that being my my incredible group of chosen family, my friends, um, obviously my sister, who I walked this journey with. Um, and I'd love to chat more about kind of our different Go experiences. Um, I'll get to that. But uh, also, you know, we when when Owen passed, we created um, a memorial. And it was um, done kind of in his spirit. And so it was everything from crafting to um, collaging, which is a form of crafting, but his 
preferred method of, of crafting. Um, we had succulents. He loved plants. Um, so everyone who came to this memorial got to take a succulent home with them and kind of nurture it and, and remember Owen in that way. Um, his family was so kind to donate. He had a large book collection um, back to, you know, anyone who came to the, the memorial could take one. <gasps> oh, my God. I love that. Um, and then when it was all said and done, the books that were left over were donated back to the Campus Y, which is where I work. Um, and we're going to do something with it. I can get to that in a little bit. Um, so, you know, as I was grasping for straws, <laughs> I was finding some hope um, in this in this community. Um, and then, so again, this the spring semester, I am kind of just holding on um, tight. And I, I often look at my life in in academic the academic calendar because I work in higher ed so my dad passed the first week of classes um and his birthday would have been the last week of classes so that was April 25th so January I make it through barely um was lucky I, I one of my best friends got married at the very end of January and although that was challenging for me to kind of manage my emotions it was a wonderful beautiful occasion mm -hmm. to celebrate my friend and her partner and their love um and and kind of distracted me a little bit from from sadness um, and it reminded me that there were these other um, emotions and feelings that I could hopefully one day feel again. But um, that was, that was a lovely kind of, um, you know, distraction. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. Um, April rolls around. It's going to be my dad's birthday. It would have been his 81st. Um, I'm kind of preparing for this. Don't know what it's going to feel like asking group, you know, DPC. Hey, y'all, what do you do on a the first, the first. Um, and then unfortunately uh, had another loss on April 25th. Um, this one was a little more complicated. It was my ex's grandmother, um, who I was very, very close with. Well, and you all had only been separated now for what? Like Five not months, even a six year? Months, not a year. Yeah. Not a year yet. Um, one of the last things that I will say my dad told me, um, I mean, he didn't know that what was going to happen, but in our conversations that weekend, he had mentioned maintaining a relationship um, with this person because she had been very special to my family as a whole. And right. we actually knew her prior to our relationship again, small town. Um, so I'd made a point to go and visit her and spend some time with her when I could during this time, get back to Eastern North Carolina. Um, so I'm really glad I'd spent some time with her in February. Um, and I knew she wasn't doing well. She had been diagnosed with cancer, unfortunately, um, a few months after my dad passed. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I got the call that she passed on his birthday, and it's fucking wild. that day obviously changed course, you know, pretty dramatically, um, and then had to go, you know, figure out how I was going to get myself together and go to another funeral. Um, this time it was going to be so much more complicated because it was this family that I had loved and still cared deeply for, um, and, you know, was no longer really a part of, um, and was really faced with that in that moment. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my year. I, I'm going to say an academic year, uh, 21, 22 of, of loss, unfortunately. Um, but since that time, <laughs> I'm happy to say, um, you know, I haven't had, uh, nearly as many losses. Um, I would sure as heck hope not. Yeah. You had six <laughs> deaths in a year, under a year. Yeah. It was like eight months, six deaths. Yeah. That's enough death for a lifetime. Yeah. For many people, right? We look around at these people in the world who are so lucky, blessed, whatever you want to call it, that have only maybe had a grandparent 
die correct, correct. or like an extended family member right or maybe maybe they had like a childhood friend or they've had one death by their 20s yeah right and that's what we all hope for yeah right for everything to follow the plan that we envision that it should which is where the elderly die when they're really old and they die in their sleep and then everyone correct. nothing tragic happens right you're like yeah i've been like walking life like I've had some grandparents die i've had like the normal deaths quote mm-hmm. unquote and then i had six deaths in a year yeah all of them unexpected it's just it's just fucking crazy it was wild i i was shout out to my therapist um who you know was honestly continues to be such a pillar of strength for me um who went above and beyond was on call 24 7 calling me after hours to check in um i could text her um when dad uh we were just kind of in that transition period waiting um was frequently texting me and and um helping me you know hold, hold space for what was happening and and you I know. love that. I mean, she showed up for you when you needed someone. Oh, my gosh. And um, I had no idea that I would need her in the way that I did. And, um, you know, there were times where she joked with me. She was like, this cannot sustain itself, like this level of loss. Because I think there were times where I was like, this is my life now. Every three months, someone Who's going to die next? Yep. Um, who, who's, who in my life who's incredibly important is going to go next? Um, and so, you know, she and often would joke like, this could be a movie. This could be a book. Like, this is ridiculous. And I still wouldn't believe it if it were no. written in that way because it just can't sustain itself. Um, thankfully, it ha- it has not. And um, although there have been other, you know, losses and kind of, you know, in, in my larger community, um, folks, nobody as close um, to me as, as these folks were, um, you know, in, in just different stages of my life. Because, right. um, I mean, right, there's always death. Yeah. You know, it's an just inevitable like people are being part born, of life. It's yeah. life and death. This is a circle of all of that and the way the universe works. But yeah, I, I really appreciate that statement of saying it cannot sustain itself. This it is not, unless you live in a place where there's like continuous war, which I mean, we could kind of argue that's what's happening here. Yeah. But, you know, there is, there's no way everyone around you can continue to drop like flies. It just can't. It can't. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, we were in a global pandemic. So, but yeah, the environment only was one set of up them was, was actually COVID. Right. Yeah. The rest of them were, you know, quote unquote, natural deaths. Um, well, aside from from the student who passed. Um, so, yeah, it was it was felt relentless. But I'm happy to say it did <laughs> ease up a bit and has allowed me a full year of of reflection and um, trying to make meaning, honestly, of what what happened um and figuring out what grief is right really truly how it shows up differently in everyone's lives and how grief shows up differently for each person that that you've lost that i've lost um it's not the same it's not a monolith it's not and you can't (laughs) predict it oh no not at all i have responded to deaths of people that were tertiary in the most dramatic (laughs) ways versus like someone else I thought I'd have a different reaction yeah. for. You can't. You I'm have like, no what idea. Is going on? And I remember talking to someone about this when it happened. This is before my dad died, that there was a death of a young person that I was not close with, but I was, was close to the person who was close to that person. And I remember like losing my mind. And looking back, I think a lot of that was anticipatory of like yeah. knowing that my dad's death was impending at that point. And like, oh my God, this is what happens when someone dies. But because I had such this massive reaction to them, I was like, what is happening to me? <laughs> and my therapist at the time, the mentor slash a person who was a therapist was like, this is like, it's, you can never predict that. I have no idea. 
and it's a wild ride for sure. Grief is a messy, messy beast. It's a I'd messy like beast. Um, but I will say it has these events have, you know, obviously upended my life in a lot of ways, but also opened me up mm-hmm. in ways I never would have anticipated. You know, you alluded to earlier, um, kind of searching for like metaphysical support. Um, you know, I've been kind of exploring more of my spiritual side. Um, you know, I was raised uh, in a Christian tradition. I was raised Quaker and then went to an Episcopal church and still consider myself or align with Christianity in a lot of ways. But I'm just open to just learning more about spirituality and what does it mean? Because having your loved one there one day and then gone the next, it just doesn't make sense. I think my sister and I were talking about this and I'd love to chat more about kind of our relationship. But, um, you know, how can this energy, the spirit, be in a body in one day and then just evaporate the next. It's like wild. Energy moves. And so, so where to go? Where to go. But it can't it's not gone. Yeah. It's it's where to it, go. It's just where to go. Um and that's that's the question. And so um yeah, I I think for me the biggest lesson in grief has been the juxtaposition of my sister and I and how we processed grief. Obviously we're experiencing the loss of a parent together, same parent vastly different reactions Mm -hmm. so the day my dad passed just the way it worked out i happened to be the one in the room um she needed to go back we had been there overnight um again i mentioned my dad was uh you know held on for a while and um one of us needed to go back and take care of our mom and so he ended up passing i think it was like we transitioned to life support me or off of life support maybe 6 p.m the night before and then the next morning at like 10 a.m um, he he passed and um, I was ready to go, you know, after, I mean, after you see someone you love just transition, they're not there anymore. Like it's very apparent very quickly that this is not my dad. This is just his body. Yep. He doesn't need it anymore. Just his physical form at the time. At the time. Um, it just, it, it's like nothing you can experience. Into, like you, I can't describe it. You just have to experience it. And so, um, you know, I had to wait for the decedent care person to come and talk to me about, you know, we'd already made all the plans. We knew exactly cremation, where he was going. I was like, can we just put this in place so I can leave? Right. Like, I just need to get out of here. Yep. I've been in this hospital. I My dad just died. Like, I just need to go. Um, and so I drive back to Williamson. It's about 30, 40 minute drive. I get home. I see my sister, and my mom. We have, you know, I hug them. We cry for a minute. And I was like, I have to go like be in a cave away goodbye (laughs) i have so many feelings that i need to feel and i need a space to do that so i we have a really good friend who was letting us stay at her home and um she had kind of an upstairs apartment so i just went turned off the lights i was like everyone i'm fine i'm going to sleep because i'd also like not been sleeping well for the last honestly weeks um my sister on the other hand had a to-do list And she was ready to knock things off that list. And so she was um, already in communication with the funeral home. She was in communication with our pastor about the service. Um, You know, he passed on a Wednesday. We were trying to have the service after church on a Sunday. So, you know, my mom and my sister are literally like picking out the the hymns and doing all the things. And I was like, I want no fucking part of it. I want no part of it. Yeah. I will be over here. Um, But like, y'all, if that's what you need to do, I trust you. You know what to do. Right. I will not be there. Have you heard of the phrases over and under functioning? Yes. Okay. This is a very good example of that. Yeah. You're the under functioning. I was under. She was over. She was over. And yep. now that's not 
y'all don't take that as like you're underperforming, someone's no. overperforming, right? This means in times of stress or high anxiety, particularly when there needs to be action, someone is the underfunctioner, which is that I shut down. Yeah. I am not able to put myself in a situation where I can act and complete tasks, like you said, like have the to-do list ready to go. And then there are people that can yeah. do that. Now, we could have a whole episode about like where that comes from, right? Yeah. Is that bred from resilience? Is that bred from genetics? Is that bred from your environment? Like who knows? But it's usually, it's your you can be you can learn how to do either and you can have the situations where you show up as either but it typically follows a pattern you're an underfunctioner you're an overfunctioner exactly you also again like had just also going through a breakup so if you were to look at like your homeostasis you were already worn down oh yeah so your sister was at a higher level of performance to begin with true 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 this this is that is valid um we've had so much time to talk about and reflect on it now um and I, honestly i think it's brought us closer we were already pretty close um it's just the two of us um how far apart are you in age we're four and a half years yep. yeah and so i think when we were really young i was just the annoying like totally. older sister but we kind of hit a point maybe when she was in high school where we well, yeah, never out. had to go to high school together yeah we never did yeah. so we you know moved enough to where we were never kind of following each other's shadows um in that way and so um we were close we love to travel we've you know done so many fun adventures together but this experience has cemented our friendship our partnership Good. our we're a team um and i feel so blessed to to have her in my life and she picked up where you couldn't exactly pr- provide right and she so, was like and here i am now here i will I do this thing and so you know and never made me feel bad about it um and so she you know, is helping plan the funeral, doing other things. You know, she's already working like on his apartment because we've got to clean that out. We're coming up to the end of the month. I was like, let's just pay for another month. She's like, nope, that's, we need to save that money. And I was like, valid. Um, Which is, again, a whole nother, let's just tack on the points to why this is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. Uh. Um, so she's already like got the task list and is ready to, 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 to go to work. We finally had a chance where to like, you know, after I got to sleep for a little bit and to talk and I was like, are you okay? Like you're, you need to slow down. I think is kind of what I told her. And she was like, I can't stop. If I do, it's just going to be too hard, I think, to start again. And in that moment, I realized one, we process differently and that this is, this is her way of grieving in some, to some extent. She compartmentalizes enough to survive. To survive. Um, and honestly, I respect it. Um, and so you know, we were able to divvy up the tasks, get the things done. And, you know, I'm really grateful. We had a beautiful service, memorial service for my dad. Um, you know, he's interred at our church and all of that, you know, went as well as it could, um, given given the circumstances. Um, you know, weirdly enough, we have some like kind of funny memories from that time. I don't know if people talk about that enough, but like, and I would almost feel guilty for laughing or like having those moments. But at the same time, you have to like you have to laugh and smile and remind yourself that you are still alive. Well, it's so life is so fragile. Yeah. You have to find the levity in that and like have some laughter. Yeah. I mean, y'all have heard me say before, hopefully. And if I haven't, yeah, I have the funniest memories of like my parents' ashes and yeah. like as, as dropping some down the drain on accident yeah. being like, oh, there she goes. <laughs> like, I mean, you just otherwise, what other options do you have? Again, like it's either to fall apart and like never feel anything ever again because you can't feel things because it's awful or like i don't know it's funny it's funny like there were funny moments that happened that yeah. we still look back on and we're like oh my gosh i can't believe it being funny does not negate how awful exactly. it is exactly both can be true correct um and it was mostly really awful <laughs> but, don't, don't get us wrong don't get us wrong i mean it was the vast majority of it was miserable but there were there were moments um 
of of levity and you know comedy honestly that like just makes sense for for her and I um that just because we grew up in the family dynamic and and all of that so uh, I think some of those memories we will hold on for on to for the rest of our lives but um yeah I I've learned a tremendous amount about myself um during this time my relationships um what's important to me and what isn't yeah it like has illuminated what my priorities Glaringly are. so. Oh, yeah. Like, right. there is you no You mentioned question. at the top of the hour, right, of, like, this was a transformative Absolutely. year. In me- that, at that time, 20, 2021 through 2022. Because, what again, like, people, you can ignore deaths and, like, not change a whole lot from that. And I know ignore maybe sounds really grotesque. But, again, how people compartmentalize, that, that could be how you choose to live and function in the world. But otherwise, for I feel like for the majority of us, grief changes you. Yeah. And it really highlights what your priorities mm-hmm. need to be. Absolutely. I think I was at this point, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. I thought I was on this one path that society and col- our culture kind of says, this is what you're supposed to do at this age to check these boxes off. And then all of a sudden, I'm not on that path anymore for a variety of reasons. And what do I do next? Now what? Um, and now what I what do I actually give a shit about? What do I care about? Like what brings me joy? What gets me up in the morning? You know, and I'm so lucky that I have the job that I do because I love it. Yep. And I love the students and the community that and I get so to work with. they're so supportive of you. And they're incredibly supportive of me. And I've been in a situation where I got to, I didn't have to check my feelings and my emotions at the door. Love I got that. to bring all of that in. And particularly when we had the student pass away, who's such a valued member of that community. We got to grieve together. So I didn't have to check my grief at the door. Collective grief is pretty powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. Um, and there were days that, you know, I would just have to go home. I was like, it's too it's too hard. I just can't do this. Um, but more days than not, I was greeted with a hug or a funny memory. Y'all um, being human Just together. being human together. And, you know, college is all about learning and growing. And um, what better way to model vulnerability 100%. than to bring those that aspect of my life to work absolutely um and for them to be such an important part of my grief journey um absolutely that you know that just doesn't always happen no so that's been been a part of it you know i've we've joked and kind of talked about this metaphysical journey and and that has included um you know exploring crystals, exploring meditation, mindfulness. Um, you know, I already knew some about it, but kind of um, like making that, into it more, yeah, diving yeah. into it more. Um, yeah, it sounds like you're you're trying to focus more on taking care of yourself. Yes. Yeah, like what has changed for, for how you take care of yourself now versus like what you did before? Oh, drastically different. Yeah. Drastically different. My baseline is, you know, I spend a lot more time alone, which is wild for me because, you know, I've historically been an extrovert. God, um, now we're the introverted extroverts. Oh, I'm such an introverted extrovert. <laughs> I still get so much life from love people, people yeah. connection, conversations, but it's now much more like one-on-one or small groups um meaningful groups meaningful right? groups yeah i can't do the like bullshit for very long oh yeah no i can't do the small talk bullshit for very long um i'll do it but like it's really i much prefer folks who i can be open and honest with yep. and when they say how are you i can literally say i've been better um and they get it and i don't have to sugarcoat it nope and that's the dream um you know so i do spend a lot more time by myself um but it's not as scary as i thought it would be I don't feel lonely. Yeah. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Yeah. Um, you know, there are moments, but that's not my baseline. Um, I spend a lot of time with my mom. I see her almost every day. Um, and I don't take that for granted. Um, 
there are obviously still challenges there. We unfortunately had a trip to the hospital a few months ago that was pretty scary. Um, but I get to make new beautiful memories with my mom. And um, that has been really, really beautiful. And um, like I said, I just I just don't take any of that time for granted. Yeah. Um, I have explored the, like I said, the metaphysical. Um, I had that uh, conversation with, with a medium. And without going into too much detail, you know, the gist of it was, um, you know, kind of go in not knowing what to expect pretty skeptical to be honest um and i think the person who i was with could kind of tell that um and she was started off by telling me like do these colors mean anything to you does does a frog mean anything to you and i was like absolutely not um and then she said i've got someone here who wants to to share something with you her name starts with an l um she's your mother's mother you're like fuck i said that's my grandmother her name was louise and it, exactly. I mean, and there were just so many things that she said that lined up that she couldn't have known. I was a walk-in. My name is very generic. Correct. There's like <laughs> right? a thousand of you. There's the a thousand of me, like just in Chapel Hill alone. Right. So, you know, this idea that like, oh, she must have researched you. She figured this out. There was nothing that said. I also never referred to my grandmother by her first name. I called her Mama. So even if you had found something on the internet, you wouldn't have known her name. Sorry, with an L. So, um, you know, she shared some things with me about kind of what she's up to on the other side and what it's been like. But I think the thing that was really special um, was towards the end of our conversation, um, I was sitting with a question and I was like, I don't know if I want to ask this question. It feels like too much. Um, and then the uh, the healer, the, the medium, however you want to refer to her, looked at me and she said, your grandmother wants you to ask that question. So I said, okay. Um, and the question was, am I doing a good job with mom? So this would be my mother's mother. And um, at this point, I'm still processing the diagnosis. I'm scared. I'm a, a caregiver now to my mother. Um, and, you know, just this full reversal of roles. And she, the the medium looked at me and she said, absolutely. And I obviously sobbed. Um, I and been done. I was like, how do you do this all the time? Oh like, I'm a God. mess. She hands me a box of tissues. Um, and then she looked at me and she said, your mom has dementia, doesn't she? And I was like, yes. Which, again, like, yes, that's common, but not common enough that I would think, like, she could have had cancer. She could have whatever. And it's like, you're young. So, like, we wouldn't have assumed. Yeah. You can't, you know, that's not necessarily a thing that everyone's just like, oh, yeah, everyone gets that. Right. Um, And the way I asked the question was, you know, am I doing an okay job with mom? That could be a variety of things. She could be going through divorce. She could be, well, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Yeah. But she just immediately named it. And she shared some things about kind of my next few years and how there will be challenging, but, um, no more death, right? Not imminently. (laughs) Um, but that when it is my mom's time to go, because all of us will go, uh, at some point that she will be welcomed, um, by a large community of loved ones to the other side. Um, and I think that was exactly what I needed to hear because I just felt so out of my depth in this new role and I had my sister to support me and that's been great, but we're both new to this and to have that validation from her mother, right? God, like, like the best thing you could ask for was so incredibly beautiful and validating. Um, and she's the one who I was told to look for frogs, um, that mama, mama, um, that she, that would be the way that she communicates with me. And that just to remind me that she's always with me and I can talk to her. And so there have been days, tough days where I'm like, mama, what am I doing this right? 
could I be doing something differently? The guilt, the caregiver guilt is so real. Um, should I be going out and having fun with my friends? Should I just be spending all my time here with my mom? Um, and then reminding myself that like, if I'm not a full whole person, I can't show up for my mom Correct. in that way. You've got to take care of yourself. Um, so self-care is like, such an important thing for me now yep. the number of like hot baths that i take a week um the candles that i burn the you know like long walks that i go on like all those things are so important to me now and they should have been important to me before i get it um but they had to become and if i could share anything or advice for folks it would be like take care of yourself for a variety of reasons um but take care of yourself start you today to. don't wait don't wait till tomorrow don't wait till next week start today yeah. um that's that's the most important thing um and also like just if you're like me and you're a very you know you feel a lot and i do um you're feely human i'm a very feely i'm a pisces i'm a enneagram two i'm just all all of the feelings kindred things. spirits over here um to feel it and it's okay to feel it and um, there's a quote from a, a poet um, who actually was one of my students' favorite poets. And so often when I'm really grieving his the loss of, of his life, I go to this book and I read the poems or I listen to, to their performances. Um, and they said, um, let your heart break so your spirit doesn't. Mm. And I love that. I often think about that on days where I'm really low or it's really hard to get motivated to do anything. Um, I think about like, it's okay. It's okay that, you know, I feel like my heart's broken. It's okay to let it break, but I'm going to come back, you know, and be, still be me. I'm going to be strong. Um, and, and my spirit is still intact. Um, and I'm really proud of that to some extent. Um, because so many people have told me like, this would have absolutely annihilated me. And I respond, well, it did <laughs> do that to me. But I, you know, have been able to find pockets of joy and community and love and hope for the future yeah. um, that, that without going through these experiences, I don't think I would have had. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Don't we all just wish we could just listen to a TED Talk and it like not. Like that's that. that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> is there another quote or piece of advice that you currently live your life by? Hmm. Or that at least comes up for you in this moment today, maybe. The one I just shared was a big one. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I think just the transformative power of grief. Mm -hmm. I don't think we as a society talk about it enough. Um, that's another thing, you know, that I shared about just being really passionate about supporting folks who are going through experiences of death and dying, whether it's them themselves or their... Um, loved one or community member is is transitioning um we we just it's such a taboo topic and i don't understand why we're all going to face it at some point um it's the most guaranteed thing it's absolutely guaranteed it's 100 yep. percent um <laughs> actually okay here's one um I often go to like music and poetry and like other forms of creative expression to find sources of strength. Um, and I'm going to be real honest. The music that's been coming out these last few years have been real like sad people. Like I'm here to talk about my trauma. I'm on Let's it. go yeah, to therapy. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, when Adele's album came out, it was right after I was going through my breakup. I was like, yes, I'm here for all of this, you know, co conversation about breakups and therapy and um 
you know, all, all of that stuff. Taylor Swift's album. Um, and then Beyonce drops bangers that are like, get me hype. Um, <laughs> Lizzo's out here talking about self-care uh-huh. and loving yourself first. Um, and when I really needed that. Um, the person who just dropped an album, Ed Sheeran. And I keep jokingly calling this like his sad boy album, but it's called Subtract. Um, and it's all about, he went through a really challenging season. I think it was February 22. Uh, with a loss, a sudden loss of a friend, uh, scary diagnosis um, with his wife, who thankfully is is doing much better. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of that music. I have to do it in like spurts <laughs> because it is, you know, sad. But what he says about grief and loss is so real. And there's one song that I think is called The End of Youth. And basically the idea that like once you have gone through a season like this in your life, it's the end of your youth. And I feel blessed to have made it 33 years um, to experience that. But I don't, you know, I I have to be a full adult now. Like, I have to make big decisions. And I get that that sounds maybe a little silly, given that I am in my mid-30s. But, you know, I I had a life that I loved. Um, You know, I was so... I'm still silly, but I, you know, I wasn't making all the adult decisions I needed to be making. Well, there was still some naivete. Yeah. Some like, you know, just being able to be innocent to so many things and unaware of things. And then that that all changed. It all changed. Very quickly. Very quickly. And I didn't have a better way to put it than like, that was the definitive end of my youth. I love that. Um, So that that has been really powerful and something that I've been thinking about a lot this week. Um, and shared with friends who've been through similar journeys of like, do you feel this way too? Because yeah. this is how I feel. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to have find those people. Yeah. Again, speaking to that, y'all, and something Sarah has pointed out so many times in today's episode of that, find your people. Like if that's not been made clear through this podcast, for the love of whatever the hell you believe in, please find your people. Please. Do not waste any more time around people who do not fill your cup and do not make your soul happy. And though that doesn't mean that there can't be challenges and growth happening, but like don't think that there are not people for you yeah. in this world who get it. Go be around people that get it. And if you're around people who don't, find someone else. Yeah. Move on. Life is way too short yeah. to spend time with people who don't fill your cup. Um, and, and I feel so blessed, honestly, I, you know, I've been fortunate to have some wonderful friends my entire life, but it wasn't until this season of loss that I got to see so many people show up for me in different ways. It'll surprise you. Yeah. And it's not always the people you think it's going to be like, you may be like, oh, it's definitely gonna be this person. And then it's somebody completely out of left field. And you're like, I didn't know I needed this. I didn't know I needed this level, level of connection and vulnerability. And you brought that for me. Um, and so I often talk about my chosen family mm-hmm. and I firmly believe that I have a small family. It's my sister, and my mom and I at this point, right? Like yeah. after dad died, my cousin died, like, and yeah, <laughs> so it is what it is. So uh, the folks who are my chosen family are just as close to me as my blood relatives. Absolutely. Um, and I hope are for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm... And now you're stuck with us. So I'm stuck. It is what it is. <laughs> no, I would not... I couldn't, I couldn't be anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I firmly believe in in people being in your life for a reason and connections and communities forming um, that you may not know you need when they happen, um, but they're there for you mm-hmm. in some of your darkest moments, but also in some of your most joyful, um, wonderful, happy moments too. Yeah. And that's the best part of it. Absolutely. Well, if you, I if we have to be in this club together, I'm glad you're here. 
even though this club fucking sucks. Sucks. Best but, people. And you'll all end up in it one day. Yeah. If you're not already here. Yeah. So find your people and be willing to feel what you need to feel to experience what you need to experience to then transform into what what or who it is you need to become absolutely thank you so much sarah for feeling like you could be vulnerable and transparent and honest about what the last couple years have been like for you and i just thank you for wanting to talk about again something that has become so taboo in our society but i think we are doing a really good job of breaking that down thank you thank you for holding the space for those of us who need it um, who need to share our journey and have something to say about grief and death and dying and um, just hard things in life. We need to talk about them more. So Absolutely. Thank you. If y'all have questions for Sarah, we're going to link her stuff to the page. If you want to seek her out and ask her about her medium experience, <laughs> um, and we'll definitely share more about the sound bath because it's really wonderful. You know, get into some more of these holistic therapies. You know, you don't have to do more of the traditional stuff if that's not your thing, but there's something for you out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.